Welcome to Tigers SRD here at MotorCityBagels.com. I'm Roger Castillo alongside Ms. Chris Brown. And today we have a special guest who is currently on his way into work. And that's not often you get to catch somebody on their way to work and, and have a productive baseball conversation. We're talking to the voice of the Detroit Tigers on the radio side of things, Dan Dickerson. Dan, how you doing? I'm great. How are you guys? Doing well. Enjoying the, the spring. Uh, just a couple moves happened today. And so it was uh, kind of a very eventful morning as you see now that Julio Tehran made the roster and Derek Scoble cemented himself in the rotation. And I know we saw that Tehran was pulled the other day because of back issue or excuse me, back tightness a little bit, but uh, mm -hmm. talk about Tehran's impact. I mean, you saw him use the top of the zone pretty well. This stuff, all this stuff's had movement. It looks like he's getting like 93, 94 and his impact on the rotation, because he's the only outside of Derek Holland one of the few pitchers that's thrown over or close to two or over 200 innings. And so is he going to be that guy he was in Atlanta or is he going to be, is 150, 175 seem plausible? I don't want to overreact to spring, but I'm, I'm going by all the things that we've learned about Tehran in the last couple of months that he wasn't healthy last year, that Evan Petzl to the free press wrote a good piece about what had happened is, is you know, he'd had some shoulder issues and he just kind of was, kept dropping his arm angle and you see the walks go up, the, the velocity drop and the velocity has been consistently two miles an hour above where he's been the last couple of years. This has never been a big power arm and he knows how to get people out. And I think he's going to be the MVP of this rotation for the simple reason that that track record of seven years plus how many pitchers in baseball can say that seven consecutive years of 30 starts or more from 2013 to 2019 I think the list might be very small. Uh, and the fact that he understands what went wrong, corrected it, has shown that he can get back to being that guy who can get swings and misses. That's what impressed me. He's never been a huge swing and miss guy. But clearly the health, the velocity, and now that experience and know-how. Like A.J. Hinch said the other day, gave up a home run to the first hitter. What did he do? Didn't shy away from the strike zone. Pounded the strike zone pitch your contact early in the zone, and then go for the swing and miss when you get to two strikes. That's what they're trying to teach their young pitchers, not to get the strikeout on the first pitch. <laughs> and that's the experience, and that's what he's going to add to this staff. I think he'll add durability, and I think he's going to be extremely valuable uh, for this staff. One thing I noticed, uh, I mean, he's just got so much movement on his pitches, and, and it seemed to me that, that in Michael Fulmer's last outing, you really started to see him – like his second and third inning, he was getting tons and tons of movement on his pitches. And you see, you know, with, with execution and movement, you can survive at 93 and uh, in, in thrive even. Exactly. And I think that, that might be a good example for Fulmer, if nothing else. Exactly. Michael Fulmer is learning how to pitch differently. I mean, here's a guy who didn't have to really think about pitch sequencing <laughs> when he's got 95 to 97 in his back pocket and he can just chuck it. Uh, <laughs> and he said that, you know, I mean, but think about that. That that's, that's what he's learning now to mix his pitches and to sequence pitches. That's a big point of emphasis that he, uh, you know, it's all new to him and that's, but there's, there's absolutely a roadmap for him when you look at Tehran for how he can still be an effective major. His secondary pitches are pretty good. Like you said, the, the movements there, but that process of becoming a different pitcher, uh, might, might take a little while. 
And one of those things that I, I compared him to, I know this is a, kind of a dated reference in, in two different eras, but I think of Frank Diana when he was with the Angels. He came up with Nolan Ryan in California, and he was he got he just threw heat, none but heat. But then he got to Texas before he came to Detroit and learned how to pitch with kind of um, just his stuff, his secondary stuff, and considered a I don't want to say junk ball guy, and that's not what Fulmer and him are completely different, separate, completely different pitchers, but. I thought of that as an example because as a righty, it's hard to do that, you know, in terms of just pitching with uh, lower miles per hour now than it was back then. But still, I, I, the reason why I thought about that is because whereas Fulmer's going to go in the bullpen, I think at some point he will go back to the rotation. Yeah, I think that that's the goal. Uh, he's going to pitch out of the bullpen tomorrow, piggybacking with uh, Casey Mize and, uh, and said that, you know, that there's a reason for that. They want, they're getting a look at both and they're trying to figure out what the role is for each one. But I do think absolutely the goal is to get Michael Fulmer back into the rotation. And uh, whether that comes at the beginning of the year, it might because of Spencer Turnbull, uh, you know, being not being with the team to start the year. Um, but also, you know, I, I think it's it, the best thing might be to, you know, just go down and learn this new way of, pitching and, and show that, you know, work your way back up. And I think Michael understands that, but what do you do? You've got an alt site instead of triple A for the month of April. <laughs> and that's, uh, it makes a really uh, complicated decision when it comes to Michael Fulmer. Yeah, and you mentioned uh, Casey Mize there. I, I was curious about your impressions of him so far this camp. We've seen uh, some interesting stuff, but not necessarily tons of great results. Results have been terrible, uh, <laughs> and uh, it's kind of surprising because AJ Hinch has talked about from the early days of camp uh, the pitch character. He said, "Hey, without even being asked, he's like, you guys want to see something? Go look at the pitch characteristics that you know Casey Mize is showing right now." So that gives you an insight into what they're looking at. We're looking at results. They're looking at stuff. They're seeing stuff, and. So now, the, I mean, they feel like he's got all the pitches, the ability to change speeds, the ability to throw strikes. So he's not doing many of those things well yet. But it's clear indication to me that what they think the next step is for him, and this is why I think A.J. wants it to be on the major league staff, continuing to work with Chris Fetter, that that last piece of development has to come at the major league level. How do we best use that stuff? But if he didn't think the stuff was good, he would either not say anything or he'd say so. The fact that he continues to talk about what he's seeing in terms of the analytics and the movement, the break, the spin, the efficiency on all of his pitches. I mean, he, he's talked a lot about that. So, OK, better take notice. Clearly, they feel like he's got the stuff. And now it's a matter of how do you best apply it in game with game planning and game planning, by the way, is a whole lot easier in the regular season than it is in spring training. <laughs> no, that's a good point. No, I, I remember somebody, I don't know who it was. Somebody kind of compared uh, uh, my, they talked about Max Scherzer in his first uh, season or two with the Tigers and how, you know, he had this ungodly stuff you'd see, but every now and then he would just get destroyed. That's like, you know, and that's a multi-time Cy Young winner down the road. It's, it's, you know, I think people need to remember that it takes time for some guys. It does. It, I think that's the biggest thing out of this camp. It takes time, and you realize the development process is called a process 
for a reason. And sorry, I almost hit a sandhill crane slowly across oh, the road here. Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> he was not moving. <laughs> I'm like, hey, dude, come on, keep going. Uh, <laughs> but it's called a process for a reason. I think AJ's been, I don't know if frustrated is the right word, but, he, he, you know, there's a lot that they wanted to have these guys absorb this spring, and it, it takes time, especially with the young staff. And as I get back to why Tehran's so valuable, is going to be so valuable, I think, for the staff, is because he, he has all these concepts and knows how to pitch with what he has. Uh, to get through innings, to get contact when he needs to get the swing and miss when he needs it. So, yeah, it's um, it, it really is interesting to watch. And the other interesting thing to me is that whole idea of, okay, for a Paredes, for a uh, for some of these young kids who are on the cusp, what's the best thing for them in terms of, that last piece of development, the last portion of their development process, is it best to go back to AAA where you really don't have anything left to prove? Or is it to be at the major league level where you're probably going to take some lumps and have some tough times? But the best thing for you in terms of actually becoming a major leaguer, productive major leaguer, is to be with the major league staff and face this major league pitching or face these major league hitters. And that's a really interesting debate, but it's a point that AJ has made over and over. Sometimes, you know, sending a guy back to AAA like Paredes may not be the best thing for him. Now, he hasn't shown a whole lot in spring, you have to say, but that's the kind of thing that they have to weigh as they make up these final, you know, roster spots. And speaking of debate, too, one of the one of the debates that we we heard the other day on the on the radio on the broadcast was with you and Chris Mikowski, the Detroit News discussing Victor Reyes versus uh, Badu. And I know that Badu is – Chris and I have talked about this in the podcast where you look at spring training stats, and you're well aware of this, is that what do you extrapolate from that? That is reality versus, I don't know, Michael Riviera winning the catching spot in 2003 as an example. Um, so what is reality with that? And so to me, do you carry five outfielders? I mean, and for Paredes, for myself, I, I, I personally like him to stay up here because to take those lumps a little bit. And I, I think he's earned it only because he's his in terms of defense, too. I think people will give him a bad rep because of his size. He plays outstanding defense, at least in my opinion. But but getting back to the debate, though, that, I thought that was really enjoyable on air to get that kind of interaction. No, I, I love having Chris on. I can't say enough about how much the beat writers have enjoyed, uh, you know, the two Evans, Evan Woodbury and Evan Petzold and Cody Stavenhagen and Jason Beck and Chris McCoskey all helping out in the middle innings. It's been great. But, you know, yeah, I mean, I, I love Chris, you know, he, he likes to play devil's advocate sometimes. Sometimes he held, you know, it's a belief that he has it. And we have a good little debate. That's which on the no, sometimes there's no right. My point was there's no way they're going to saddle AJ five outfielders, maybe for a couple of weeks because you have that luxury of not carrying an extra pitcher for the first two weeks. But once they go to a six-man rotation, given what AJ is looking at in terms of expected starts per inning, and he's not talking about a limitation that he's putting on, but just what he's seeing in terms of how efficiently his guys are getting through innings, there aren't many six-inning guys on the staff right now, and he's going to need that eight-man bullpen. So my point is, 
you know, if, if you took Akil Badu, I mean, it was a long shot from the start, but you took him for a reason. And the reason was if he showed something in spring that matches up to the skills that he has, then we've got something. Well, he's done that. So if you return him to the twins, then what was the point of drafting him in the first place? <laughs> that was my point. And that it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. It wouldn't be a popular move and it would be tough to tell Victor Reyes that he's going down, but it allows you to give yourself a chance to see if Badu can do something in that say first month. And if he really struggles and you realize, okay, those eight ball numbers, maybe we're telling us a story. And believe me, these guys know that you hit 230 with, you know, some swing and miss in your game and nice extra base power, but that's at a ball in 29 games. Uh, there's a reason those numbers are telling you something, but you drafted him. He's done everything you could possibly ask out of a kid. And they also are measuring, you know, the maturity level. And that's very impressive in terms of how he's handling everything. So, I mean, to me, it's like you have to give him a chance, but you, there's no way they're carrying five outfielders for more than a few days. I wouldn't think. Yeah. And, and you touched on before, I think one of the, the issues is, is the message, you know, when, when you carry a rule five guy, what kind of message that sends the rest of the roster. Uh, and it's one thing though, if, if a guy's completely overmatched and you keep him on there, but, yeah, but do like right. you said, but has, has done the way I always describe it is he's shown the the tools that you love to see to excel one day and and the skills to survive. You know the the, the good uh, plate approach, the good at bats, the things like that. So I, I think the roster would understand if he's on the team. So I think you've cleared that hurdle. Now it's just a matter of finding yeah. a, a yeah. way to make it all work. I don't know. I always think about this. Is it time to rethink the whole Rule Five rules? <laughs> you know. Yeah. I mean, the whole point is, you know, that a guy who is not getting a chance in an organization and they've given him a few years and now they expose him to, you know, somebody else giving him a chance. I mean, but he has to be on the major league roster. I mean, that wasn't the best thing for Victor Reyes development a couple of years ago. And it's not the best thing for Akil Badu. This kid can play. There's no question about it. But what are the chances he's ready to play now after having never played? 29 games above low A ball, and those are 29 games at A ball. I mean, the odds are against him. It's just, I don't know. It just seems like it's such a, it's a funny rule. I, I, I get it. I get it, sort of. But it just seems to me if the whole idea is to give a kid a chance to catch on with another organization because he's blocked or he's not going anywhere in this current organization after X number of years, you know, let that other team who's taking a chance on him, you know, draft him and then put him in the minor leagues if, if that's the best thing for him. I don't know. I'm probably missing something here, but it just it's always struck me as such an odd rule because it's just not fair, you know, to Akil Badu in his probably in his development if you know you try to hide him on a major league roster for a year. <laughs> uh, when you benefit from you know hitting a double A. This kid can play, but is he ready now? Uh, probably not. Yeah, I mean, no, that's a good point. I, I think it is kind of weird that they make you, you kind of have to jump through all these different hoops to make it work. And, and ordinarily, I mean, when a player doesn't excel like the way Badu has, you can like, okay, he'll clear waivers, we can make a trade. Uh, but that clearly isn't an option now because he would probably get picked up by half a dozen, if not more teams, if the Tigers tried to clear him through waivers. 
Yeah, I'm wondering if teams, you would think teams might take a shot at him, especially if they, you know, hey, we, we can afford to give him a month to see what he can or can't do. And the Twins would certainly uh, not want to work out a trade. they just take him back because they yeah. just stash him in their minor leagues. <laughs> yeah, it's been fun to watch. I, I mean, uh, it's one of the, the more enjoyable storylines of spring, at least so far for me. Um, I, I was kind of curious, just on a macro level, uh, with F, the world being the way it is right now, uh, what kind of access you've had to players in the field and things like that, uh, if it's uh, limited and if that hurts your ability to, you know, research and so forth. About as much as you guys have. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Zoom calls, that's it. That's it. I said hi to Aaron Boone in person yesterday. I felt like I should put on a hazmat suit and, you know, go down and uh, stand by the dugout to say hello. But I, I actually stood uh, six feet apart and uh, with our masks on and said hello. That's the first time I've, I've had, literally had contact in person with anybody. <laughs> well, so, I mean, so it's, uh, yeah, it's weird. I mean, that's what I was going to ask you about your general impressions of, of the new coaching staff. But if you're just getting to talk to them on, on Zoom calls, it's probably a little bit hard to know still. Yeah, and AJ limits, uh, has limited as in no contact with uh, his coaches. And he's got his reasons for it. And I understand it. It's a little frustrating because we'd love to have just, just a conversation about all the work that's going on. The work that's going on is fascinating. Every coaching staff has different styles. Hey, I love Guardian's coaching staff. But this is a new staff. This is these are new ideas. I, I would love to hear more about them. We've heard about them through AJ, but George Lombard is doing some great things with this outfield. And they're just different. They're concepts that he learned in, in LA, and he's bringing them here. And it's you know it's a very detailed system for positioning. Uh, you know, he showed us the charts that George comes up with, and it's it's really something. I'd love to talk to him more about that. How do you? let a young player how does a young player develop instincts for instance when he's always always looking at that laminated card in his back pocket and positioning himself based on that card how does he learn the instincts to you know what my guy doesn't have that pitch today and i know that he's probably going to hang it and i know that guy's going to hit it here when can i move against the chart i mean i'd love to have that conversation because you know they're giving him that leeway but uh so anyway i i think this staff has done a lot of good things but all, all we can do is, you know, kind of what we've read from the offseason and what AJ has told us uh, from his from his daily interviews. And he's been, i got to say, terrific about giving us information. AJ's smart, but he just wants you to understand the game and some of the things that are going on and trying to educate all of us every day. And I love it. I mean, it's, I feel like I'm taking a master's class in baseball. <laughs> and one of the and one of the things I've noticed too, and Matt Boyd's going to be the opening day starter, is that Boyd seems to, what from whatever instructions in from Chris Fetter, and Chris, you and I both noticed on his slide, it was something on Twitter that we saw that his 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 uh, release point seems to be different, and it looks like his sliders kind of almost getting that bite back a little bit. Yeah, and I think yeah, that hamstring injury that we only learned about at the end of last year didn't affect his slider. I mean, we saw sliders that just were on a tee so many times. I mean, that was part of the problem with home runs last year, not the year before necessarily. But I think, you know, now that he's figured that out and figured out what he what he was doing wrong, he definitely was dropping down, I think, last year with the slider. And, I mean, that's that's his pitch. That's his best pitch. And I think, I think he's got it back. I don't have a monitor in spring training, so I haven't been able to see. But it seems like it, it's back. 
and see, Dan, I think we talked to you two seasons ago before the the ill-fated 2019 season. Um, and I don't think the Tigers are going to be quite that bad this year, but I'm kind of curious uh, where you think they've improved in general and, and where you think they're still going to struggle. Yeah, I, I'm trying not to be overly uh, reactive to the spring training hitting, but the hitting's been poor and getting worse as the spring has gone on. So I'm trying not to overreact, understanding that Scope wasn't in camp and Mazzara and Renato Nunez and who knows if all three are actually going to make this team. I think Nunez is very much on the on the bubble right now. Um, but I, I thought with the Ramos and Scope signings, especially Robbie Grossman, if his power gains are real, can certainly help this offense. Um, meaning, okay, bottom five offense, can they move toward the middle of the pack? I think that's a realistic goal. I will say, you know, it just it hasn't been a good spring. I don't think they've had double-digit hit totals in a game for two weeks now. Uh, and you almost always get that at some point in the spring. So, but I, I think I think the offense will be better. It was not very good last year. The things to look for to me, for fans, is they're, you know, bottom of the barrel in, in walk rate and right at the top in strikeouts. So, the emphasis, and think of A.J. Hinch did this in a couple of years in Houston. It took a couple of years, but they went from leading the league in strikeouts to second or fewest number of strikeouts for the next several years running. So I think that's a big point of emphasis. It's not going to be overnight. You're going to probably have to change the makeup of the roster to, to get to where you want to be. But bump the walk rate, cut the strikeout rate really is, is kind of where it starts because that speaks to the plate discipline that they want these guys to learn. He's not going to worry about Willie Castro walking a lot because he's not a big walk guy. He wants to make sure, though, that he's staying more disciplined in the strike zone, which should inevitably lead to more walks. But he's probably never going to be that guy. But here's what we can make sure. Make sure you're swinging at balls you can do damage on. So those, those are the things we're trying to teach. So I would look for an improved offense, but what are we looking for? Looking for, to me, it starts with the walks and strikeouts. Uh, pitching staff, right now, it's, uh, you know, they're, they're concerned about how the inefficient innings from – especially some of their young guys. Mize and Scooble, I'm almost sure, are going to be in this rotation. It'd be nice to see Casey Mize have a good start. <laughs> I think that would ease their minds a little bit. <laughs> but they have to they have to be more efficient with their innings, pitches in their innings, because we've seen a lot of long innings and short starts. And I think A.J. right now is a little bit concerned about, you know, if I've got four and five inning starts all through April for most of my guys, you know, we're going to kill this bullpen in a hurry. So I think pitching is going to be a strength. I think the rotation has a chance to be a strength. But early in the season, they're not a, in, on innings limits. AJ said their performance is going to dictate how deep they're going into games. If they're at 50 pitches in five innings, Turk Scruble, hey, you get the sixth. But right now, he's just not seeing the efficiency of the innings. And uh, that, that's something to watch for. If, you, if you've got, you know, keeping the walks down, but more than anything, keep that pitch per inning rate in 16-17 versus 22-24, which is what we've been seeing lately. Uh, the bullpen to me is probably the, the concern in terms of the depth. Uh, we just haven't seen great springs from Jimenez and Garcia. And I know that you know Jimenez finished strong last year. Garcia had a solid year, but it was, remember, uh, high walks, low strikeouts. Um, and, and so that, that the back end of the bullpen, Soto's been terrific. I think he's going to work his way into that closer's job. Cisnero's been very good. Farmer, I think, has the velocity back. Uh, so they are, 
you know, the, the backhand, I think, has a chance to be good with Soto, but I, I really, I think they're little, they would like to see more from Garcia and Jimenez to end the spring. It still blows my mind, too, by the way. Uh, uh, speaking of bullpen, the Shane Green still free agent out there. I mean, I, I, I know this seems the random. still out there? Uh, Shane Green. Oh. Yeah. I mean, it's just it's not that he would help or the Troy has any interest in signing him, but I just thought that was interesting that Shane Green, who came off a really good year in Atlanta, is still out there as a free that is agent. amazing. Yeah. I mean, it's in, it in and considering, too, with also work pro sell as well. And so, but in terms of even. For I know that Ramirez is going to be Ernesto Ramirez is going to be sent was sent down today and so was um, Ian Kroll, the the spin master and that's a good story that's a good story for Ian Kroll I mean where he was he was down in Illinois playing semi pro baseball but to see him possibly come back you know Dan what have you seen those two because Ramirez last year I mean his journey from Tampa as a former starter and then he was Boston. I thought he had a pretty good September with the Mets, but it seems like he his cut fastball has got some good movement on there, and, and he could go two or three innings, and that could give the Tigers some relief out of the bullpen. Yeah, and the problem for him is, you know, you just, you've got enough of those guys in the bullpen and Norris and Alexander and maybe Howland, uh, and he's a non-roster guy. Uh, that's always a consideration, you know, to add into the roster, you got to take somebody off the 40-man and there are probably a few candidates you can think of right away that would meet that criteria that you wouldn't worry too much about losing, but there are others that, you know, you can't many non-roster guys. Ramirez has been terrific, and I think they would love to keep him, and the worry now is really the, with the way he's pitched this spring and with the need for pitching, especially long guys out of the bullpen, uh, you would think that he'll, you know, once they make that official move and then he's not on the opening day roster, they'll be looking for other opportunities and other teams will probably swoop in and snap him up. Um, so those are those are the considerations. Ian Kroll has been great. He's such a good kid. You know, really worked hard to turn his life around. And, as he said, be a better person, be a better teammate. And you, you pull for a guy like that. Absolutely. And it's just it's good to see that if he can possibly come, you know, depending on what that whole month layoff before the season starts in Toledo on May 1st. And yeah, I, I'm looking forward to what the minor league roster construction is going to be. I mean, Matt Manning, I'll sit back down and, and last thoughts, Matt Manning, Franklin Perez, the, the drop of velocity. Was that a concern to you? Or is this kind of one of those things where it's just early spring, just trying to get things worked out? Cause when, I, when we're talking about it on Twitter and, and going back and forth, it was, we're all just shaking our heads, but I just I just think it's just getting getting back into a, the, the routine of everything. Well, think about it. He's hardly pitched in four years. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, three year, three full seasons, really. I mean, uh, since the trade at the end of 2017. So, yeah, I, I mean, obviously it stands out that he's having a tough time hitting 90, but it's been such a long road for him. Um Never had surgery, but it was just, you know, shoulder and back issues. And I just think it's going to take time to build up strength. And I think AJ's writing, cautioning, let's not overreact. Obviously, the big power arm is what attracted the Tigers to him, you know, um, and just see how it progresses. And really, you're just hoping that being back on the mound is step one. He's really happy to be back on the mound after, I mean, seriously, hardly pitching for three years. Right. 
And now can it be like a Daniel Norris or some other guys who've come back from other injuries and that you can, as you build up strength and build up that time on the mound and log some innings, you can get that velocity back. It, it is important. It does seem like that he get it back to a degree, but I'll go back to the point you guys made earlier and what Julio Turan shows, you know, 92, 93, 94, uh, you can still be a successful major league pitcher with some know-how and some secondary pitches. So, so yeah, two or that he give up. Yeah, it's disappointing, but just remember he he's hardly pitched. Right. <laughs> he's hardly pitched 2018, 19 and 20, almost zero. So, so give him a chance. And I, I think it is important to just remember the lack of pitching and what, what still could be in there because he's still young. All right, Dan. Well, that's that's pretty much everything we got for you. We really appreciate you uh, taking uh, this time with us. Uh, it's it's I tell you, it's great to have baseball back. It's great to hear you on the radio uh, just about every day again, and and looking forward to the rest of the season. I don't know if there's anything in particular you want to promote or talk about, but uh, if not, we're, we're you know we're really appreciative uh, of you joining us. No, I enjoy the conversation always, and uh, it's fun talking about it. It's a lot of interesting decisions, and when it comes to player development, uh, that whole thought of what you know what's the best thing for a young man's development uh, hitter or pitcher is, is a really interesting topic and a really interesting debate that they're having every day in that clubhouse. <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's a good change of pace. And, and definitely the, the, in terms of that last spot is that 26 man on the, on the roster spot is going to be a, uh, I don't know. These, I, AJ Hinch has some, definitely has some tough decisions coming up here, but uh, yeah. And some tough conversations, you know, so yeah, yeah it's it, it will be interesting, and, and just remember, it it changed very quickly once the season starts. So always remember that. Yeah, I feel feel, feel like uh, the road from seventy five north to downtown Comerica Park is going to be quite a busy one early on. Yeah, it could be, could be, absolutely. <laughs> Thanks again, Dan. We appreciate it. All right, guys. Thanks. Enjoy the conversation.